Dave from New Jersey, it's the SNL Nerds, the show where two comics from New Jersey nerd out about Saturday Night Live. I'm your co-host, John Trumbull. And I'm your co-host, Darren Tatterson. How you doing, Darren? I'm doing very well, John. You know why I'm doing well? Why are you doing well? Because, John, folks, ladies, gentlemen, we have a guest. We, we have, have a guest! We have a very exciting guest. Uh, we, are, we are so happy to have this person on. Uh, why don't we tell the good people who we have on? Folks, we have an amazing guest uh, with us today. Uh, the man has, he works not only on uh, Late Night with Seth Meyers and the Amber Ruffin Show, but he is the, he has been the cue card supervisor for Saturday Night Live for 30 years. I mean, the, the man's a legend. You, you know him, you love him. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Wally Ferriston, a.k.a. Cue Card Wally. Woo! <laughs> hey, guys, thanks for having me. And let me ask you, you guys a quick question. Now, do you guys ha- normally have guests? Because you seem pretty excited to have me on. Uh, be, be honest, am I? Your, I'm not your first guest, am I? You are. You are not our first okay. guest. We have okay. had other guests. We've talked with okay, um, a, a number of uh, people who've written for the show. We 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 right. talked to Hugh Fink uh, just a oh, couple weeks ago. I, yeah, I know Hugh Fink very well. Yeah, and um, but we don't we don't have many people who are currently working for SNL. I think you oh, might be the oh. first. Oh, so I'm a I'm a I'm a I'm the first staffer that's still employed. Well, let's hope I'm still employed after this podcast, guys. So oh yeah, I mean I think that's the reason why we're so excited to have you as a guest because like we do have guests, but we we are still surprised that people still want to be on this podcast. So that's why it's like, <laughs> hey, he said yes to this. All yeah. right. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. No, I'm I'm glad to do it. I'm glad to help out. Um, you know, my son is starting his own podcast, um, not SNL related at all. Um, so I was a guest on that. I just try to help out where I can. I'm glad to be here, guys. Fire away with any questions you got for me. Okay, okay. Well, I mean, well, well first, why don't we give your, your son's podcast a quick plug? What, what's it called? What's it about? <laughs> My son's podcast is called The High Club. And uh, he talks about weed-related uh, uh, things like weed products. And um, they get high and they do sports picks. Ooh. And uh, I'm just so proud. <laughs> I, I mean that that seems like every father's dream yeah and, got- for, and for me to be a guest on the show well you know you know you just you can't get bigger than that <laughs> sounds like you got a new doug benson on your hands <laughs> yeah he's having fun with it though so thanks for that thanks for the shout out tell him you guys let me give a shout out to it well that's that's cool that's cool so so check that out uh all you weed aficionados in the audience. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there has to be a crossover between SNL fans sure. and, and weed aficionados. Sure. sure, I would think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would think so. So, okay, well, I guess a good place to start, Wally, would be how did you get started in the Q-Hurt game and how did you get involved with Saturday Night Live? Yes, that's a very good question. Um, so I went to Syracuse University and studied writing majored in writing for TV and film. I'd always wanted to be a writer since I was, I think in fifth grade when I was making my friends laugh by writing things. So oh. I was like, I want to be a writer. I want to write for TV. I want to write for movies. I think I really wanted to write for movies. And did you grow up in like the Syracuse area? No, I grew up in um, rural Massachusetts, West Bridgewater, Massachusetts, uh, Southeastern oh. Mass. Oh, nice. So okay. um, when I graduated from Syracuse, I went to LA for three years and met a girl and she didn't want to live in LA she said, I, and I was like, well, I need to be in LA or New York. Those are the two places I can, I can be. And she said, she chose New York. So I moved back to New York for her. And a year later, we were broken up. But in the, <laughs> meantime, wow. 
in the meantime, Chevy Chase I, story. Yeah, I was looking for work, and I was I was I almost I was almost a bike messenger, and then my my brother called my mother and said, like, "Chris is going to kill him." So Chris, now guys, sorry, Chris is my real name. Um, so I what? Might, I might say Chris every once in a while. Chris is my legal name. Um, I I feel so betrayed. It's wow. not, and it's not, and it's not. It's funny you say that. It's not like breaking any any rules. A lot of people know it, um, but it is one of the, it is a thing where some people, like the fans, probably don't know my real name is Chris, but my my so it's my stage name is why I went to a wedding here. You want you guys like tangents? He said, yeah. I went to a wedding last Sunday, and I was ultimately people were talking. My wife said what told the guests at the table that we were sitting at what I do. And um, I was introduced as Chris the whole time, and this guy and this guy goes, "Well, you work on you work on late night with Seth Meyers." Well, Seth Meyers' cute guy is Wally, so do you know Wally? <laughs> <laughs> and I had to go to the guy. Yeah, that's me. I he am me, Wally. And he looked at me and he was like, "I feel betrayed." So the same line you just, you just, you just <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, Keenan, you want another another tangent? Yeah, go for Keenan, it. Keenan Thompson, someone called me Chris. Eight years after we started working together, someone called me Chris on the set, and he looked at me and he was like, "Why'd they call you Chris?" And I was like, "Well, that's my real name." And he looked at me like, "I can't believe we've worked together for eight years and you never told me that." And wow. he felt he felt, but he felt honestly betrayed. <laughs> he was so, and now he'll call me Chris out of spite every once in a while, just to, in front of other people, just to, just to rub it in and remember that that moment. It's, 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 it seems like you're betraying everybody there. Yeah, a little bit, I guess. A little bit, I guess. It's, wow. it's like you. I, I I feel like I just learned like Batman's real identity. This is, uh, <laughs> wow. Yeah, a, a little bit, you know. And I, you know, I liked Chris. I didn't like Wally because my brother named me Wally out of spite when we were kids. We were uh, we shared a bedroom, and I had asthma, so when I was sick, I would wheeze at night. So he would call me Wally the Weezer, and it was a spite nickname, and I didn't like it at all. And uh, of course, he was the older brother, so he nicked, he was he would call me Wally when I went and made it to the high school. So I was Wally, Wally, Wally to high school. I was Chris through Syracuse because my brother didn't go there. No one knew me from from my high school. I was Chris in LA, and then when I came back to New York, my brother reintroduced me to everybody as Wally, and I became Wally again after seven a seven year hiatus. But but let me just say, Wally the cute guy is way better than Chris the cute guy. I think you guys have to agree with that. It's it's catchier. It's more, it's a more distinctive yes. name. And yeah, 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 I can, I definitely see the appeal. So it yeah. worked out. It worked out well. Yeah. Okay. So, so it wasn't like an alias that you picked just no. for when you were featured on TV. No. So, so, the, so how I got, so my brother, my brother was trying to, you know, he was looking out for jobs. He at the time was what he was, I think he had just gotten hired to write for the Letterman show. Um, but he was a receptionist at SNL and he was, he would, he knew a lot of people there. So he was just keeping his ear open for jobs. So he called me one afternoon and said, they're looking for a cue card guy um, at SNL. And I was like, great. Did you give him my name? And uh, he was like, no, I know how bad your handwriting is. Why did I do that? <laughs> I was like, why don't you let the cue card guys tell me my handwriting is that bad? Not you. And he was like, oh, all right, great. Okay. I'll give him a call. So I went in for an interview and basically the interview is you sit there and I do the same thing. You sit there for about a half an hour and you print cards up and you talk to the guys and they can see, first of all, how your printing is. And second of all, if they can stand being around you for a full day, because that's half the battle. Half the battle is they want your printing to be decent. But the other half is, you know, you're, you're in these small quarters with people for like, you know, 
10, 12, 14 hours a day. You want someone that you like. You're not going to want someone like, oh, I got to sit next to this guy for 14 hours. I'm going to freaking shoot myself in the head. Right. So they like my personality and um, they said they seen worse printing than mine. Okay. So, so All right. That was, that was I, my comment. I praise. I praise. Right. So I got the I got the job or I got the try you know tryout. So they so they brought me in, and my printing really wasn't great. It was in a, and for six for six weeks I printed sketches, and they didn't use my printing. I I duped sketches, and they didn't use my printing. So that my colleagues had to pick up the slack. So I would print it. I would dupe a sketch, and. Tony Mendez, who used to run Letterman, who was running Saturday Night Live at the time. I remember him being featured on camera on, on Letterman. Yes. Yeah. 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 He he was a real stickler and he was like, he wouldn't bring my cards out, let my cards go out to the floor because they, they weren't up to snuff. So so think about that. So my printing wasn't up to snuff. So the, the guy, my coworkers, who I was trying to ingratiate myself with, had to print extra hard because they Tony wouldn't use my printing. So I, the only thing that saved me, Tony wanted to fire fire me, and I think probably my colleagues wanted me fired too because I was making them work harder. Um, the only thing that saved me was the first week he gave me six cards to hold for a sprocket sketch, and I was the only one holding them. It was the intro, and it was Kyle McLaughlin was the host, and um, uh, my boss, my the real boss, Tony's boss, stood behind me and basically, if I screwed up, I get I don't know what he was going to do, pick up the cards if I dropped them or. You know, uh, do his thing. But I held them perfectly, and I walked off stage. And, and this guy Kevin K said to me, uh, "He's like, that's the most amazing thing I've ever seen." He was like, "Your card, the cards were perfectly still, but your entire body was shaking." <laughs> <laughs> He's wow. like, "I don't know how you kept them still with the way your body was shaking." <laughs> but um, uh, after that, the next week, he gave me Tony gave me three sketches to hold. I think he again he was trying to get me fired. He's like, "Okay, if he screws up holding, you know, you know, they'll have to we'll have to fire him." And I held on a ladder. I remember holding on my stomach. And then I ho- remember holding like 50 cards um, the second week, which I would never do to a new employee. I would, you know, somebody that works for me for a year, maybe I'd give them 50 cards. I would never give them to their second show. And I held them all perfectly. And then I think Tony thought, oh, he's really good at holding. And I was really good at holding for some reason. I don't know why. Something just clicked in it. And I, I liked it. And I enjoyed it. And I was good at it. And uh and he was like, I could use him on the floor because the other guys weren't as strong as I was. And I was, it was just my second show. So that's what saved my job was my holding skills rather than my printing. And then my printing got better. Wow. So, yeah. And, and honestly, that seems like that would be a physically tough thing to keep your arms elevated for yeah. like three to five minutes at a time. Well, it's, it's kind of, you know, it's really tight. You know, we talk a lot about timing and, uh, and, 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 that, and that kind of thing. And, you know, I, I was a decent athlete. So I think maybe my hand coordination, high hand eye coordination was just good because I played, you know, I played baseball and I played golf and I played tennis. So I think maybe just my hand eye coordination was good and 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 that that translated to do, you know, holding cue cards. I don't know. I can't explain it. I was just instantly good at it and uh and I only got better at it. So it was so it was it was a good thing. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I mean, sounds like it. Go ahead, Darren. Well, I was gonna say, yeah, that is something that you don't think about when you're holding up cue cards. You figure Oh, holding up cue cards! How how hard could that be? And it's and it's like no, you you have to hold perfectly still for a long yeah. amount of time. That's that's uh, that's really interesting. Yeah. At least the, at least the card they're reading off the top card that you know sometimes we'll hold two cards at once. That top card has to be as still as you can make it. You know and that's that's what helps the actors out. So yeah, I've worked on it. 
you know, for 30 years. But yeah, it's it's a grueling thing. My body is over the 30 years, my body has broken down. I for the last five years, or maybe six years, I well, going through going through the 30 years, I've had tendonitis in my left elbow, my right elbow, oh. my left shoulder, my right shoulder. And now my right shoulder for the last five years, as soon as SNL is over, I go to a, a um a doctor, I get a cortisone shot in my shoulder, and then I do physical therapy all summer long to get ready for the next season. Oh wow. wow. So I feel like I feel like a pro athlete in the summer, just um, you know, uh, regrouping and getting stronger for uh, for the next season, only for it to break down again at the end of the season. <laughs> oh, gee, whiz. gee whiz, yeah, that's uh, yeah. man, that's I, I tip my hat to you, good sir. I, I can't be, like I complain when I have to like walk down two blocks and then my back is sweating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not as easy. I mean, it's it's just thirty years of doing it, it has it has a toll on your body. That's all. Yeah, yeah. I mean. Ugh. That's not something that that most people would think about, but no. I re- I remember like years ago, uh, a friend of mine was they were having I think they were turning thirty, so they decided to do take a trapeze uh, course, yeah, and they were up on a trapeze, and I was I was down below and I was taking photos of them, so I'm keeping my my arms hoisted up just to take the photos and like my arms were getting sore just taking photos of like the people flipping yes. around on trapezes. <laughs> I was like, yeah. It's possible I'm a tad out of shape. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, the beginning yeah. of this season must have been a real grind for you because they did a lot of shows back to back in the run up to the election. Yeah, it, w- it was it was a, it was a hard season. I mean, we had that we had all that time off, you know, with COVID. Mm-hmm. So I so I had an extra we had an extra long break from from SNL that we normally don't have, but yeah, those that run of shows. Well, when we had the we had the finale and Chris Rock was there, I was talking to him and I was like, I honestly don't even remember you hosting this year. <laughs> That's how long ago he was like. He was like, I know it seems like so. It would seem like it seems like so long ago. And then yeah. when someone was like, Oh, all that Jim, all the Jim Carrey. When Jim Carrey was here and Alec Baldwin was here, I was like, "That was this year." Yeah, yeah. Like, I have the it, the my, my the the show was so hard to produce this year that I don't. I really feels like that was like two years ago. I I know what you mean. I mean, we were just like watching and reviewing the show, but we I think we said something similar on our our season uh, forty six and review show that, yeah. that the Chris Rock stuff seems like a million years ago. Yeah. It really does. It really does. I'm I'm amazed. I'm amazed at it. But yeah, it was it was tough. It was tough this year. It was really tough. And and how 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 difficult? How how much more difficult did things like COVID precautions make the job? Unbelievably difficult. I mean, you know, just the fact of wearing a, a mask and a face shield when I'm on the floor for you know like for Saturdays, you know, you're there for we're there for 14 hours, and you're wearing a mask that long you know that made that made it hard not not having i had so we started the year the first two shows of the year my cue card the cue card guys the guys that work and they do that do all the the changes and all that stuff and do update they were on the third floor of the building now we shoot in studio 8h that's the eighth floor Mm -hmm. so my guys my guys were five floors away from me so, so I had to like trust that like there were and there were times where they were had to run up sketches that we just barely made it for you know for for before they were going to be on the air. We didn't have cards for like till like twenty seconds before the sketch was going to start. 
So, so they looked at that and they were like, okay, we can't do that. That they're, you guys are, you guys are too far away. I was like, yeah, I told you that. I told them that I go, this, this isn't going to work. So they found a spot for them on the seventh floor. So they were only one floor away, but still, that was still a challenge, you know, where you couldn't make last minute changes as well, as much as you could, because they had to run them up. They had to run them down a hall, up some stairs and then into the studio, you know? So um, it was very difficult. Logistics were very, very hard in that aspect of it. Yeah. Wow. How long did it take you guys to, to figure that all out? Um, I mean, we worked, we were working with NBC a lot, but it was, again, it's just like, that's part of my job. It's part of what I think why I'm good at my job is like figuring out logistics and figuring out timing of things and how we can do things and how we can't do things. And, you know, it's just a matter of me looking at it and going, okay, uh, let's try it this way. Let's try it. We'll, we can get six people in this room, three people to do changes on one sketch, three people to do changes on the other sketch. And there'll be and there'll be me and the two guys that are holding with me up stay up on eight. And then if we if there's something that comes last minute, we can do the last minute changes up there before we go out, so we're closer to the studio. And it, you know, it's just a matter of figuring that stuff out. And eventually, we figured it out. But um, you know, it was not easy. Like I wasn't able to see a lot of the changes. I just had to trust my guys that the changes were going to be done right, and that writers were going to be able to check them because I was in the eighth floor and they were on the seventh floor, and I just couldn't run down there. You know, so I just didn't. I just I just didn't go down there. I just felt it was better for me to stay up on eight if because cast members would come up and say, hey, can I see my cards or had a question for me? I wanted to be available. I didn't want to be somewhere where they couldn't find me, you know, so. We wow. That. Wow. That's, that is something else. Yeah, um, it, was, it, was, it was pretty crazy. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, also, uh, well, you've been at the show for like uh, over 30 years, like, you know, like I said up top. So, I mean, we're, what would you say were, would be like the biggest changes that's gone on throughout those years? Like, I mean, I'm sure the, the cue card game isn't the same as it was, you know, when you first started in the nineties as it is now. Yeah. So like, um, you know, what, what, what I big would say, I would say two thing, major changes have happened that have, that have kind of changed things around there. One is the pens we use. We used to use these old Marsh 99 silver pens with these refillable with the, with, that were refillable and that had these um, uh, changeable tips on them that were very difficult to write with. And I think that's probably why my handwriting wasn't as good. They were, they were hard to mold and they were really messy. You filled them up. They look like, they look like um, little, little sticks of dynamite, like silver little sticks of dynamite, if you can picture that. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, they were just hard to write with. They were really messy. You get ink on your hands all the time. And, um, Someone, one of my guys that that worked for me in New York went to LA for a couple of years, then came back and did a, did help me out one week, and she brought back these pilot pens, these refillable pilot markers, super super color markers they're called, and they print better than those old silver ones, and they're, they're they you can still refill them, but they're easy, they're not as messy. And they're less toxic. You don't get as much ink, you know, when you're when you're printing, which the ink is toxic that we use. So that's you got to be careful. That's why we that's why we use fans. So we all yeah, start because you're in an enclosed space too. Yeah, we, we, there's no windows. We have so we have to have fans blowing the ink, you know, like away from the the and stuff like that. So when we started using those, it was kind of a game changer because you could keep them in your pocket. You can, you know, you, they, you know, you use them. If you, if it breaks, you just grab another one. They're they're really cheap and. Uh, it was a game changer for me and all my staff use them now. No one uses the old ones uh, at all. It's, a, it's so it was really, that was a big change. That was a really, really big change for us. And uh, like how, how big of a staff do you have? You have like what about eight, eight people working under you? Um, 
for the company as a whole, no, I, I have I had about twenty. Um, that was when I was doing Conan. Um, Conan stopped, and I stopped doing it out there. So now I have like a rotating group of like fifteen. You know, a lot of them are part timers. That was someone would just work on Fridays, someone just work on Saturdays. Um, uh, but yeah, it's like a rotating group of fifteen people that I can that I can pull from when I need to. Okay. okay. And uh, the other big change was. And this was a change that came out of just a weird, weird thing. So, in the in the when I started there, and up up until I don't know, maybe the uh, uh, around two thousand, I think. So I was there for like nine, ten years. Um, you know, we would get the changes from between dress and air. We would we wouldn't get them until about until the earliest we would get them is eleven o'clock, and sometimes we wouldn't get them until eleven fifteen. Okay. Wow. So we would. So that's that's that craziness they talk about. Oh, you're gonna be back in the cougar department. See the craziness when people come. You know when people come by, <laughs> and it's it is insane because we're trying to get cold open changes done in 15 minutes to be ready for the show. You know, and it was it was crazy. The way it worked was Claire Shuri, who who was the script one of the script people, she would get all the changes from the writers and then she would bring them all down at least the first half of the show. And she'd try to get there by 11, but like I said, sometimes it was 11.10, 11.15, and we'd be like, oh, man, oh, man, this isn't going to be good, you know? The, the panic sets in, and it's really, it was really, it was really, really stressful. But we all, but we get the changes done, so we kept that, you know, we just, we, we didn't think there was a, another way we could do it, because that's when the writers get their changes in. So one year, one of the guys left, one of the, one of the staff left, and I hadn't, it wasn't my company yet. I was where we were working for somebody else, and we all got together. And we were like, look, if we don't replace that person and work a little bit harder, um, let's, I'll, go to the, I'll go to the boss and say, we want to split his, this guy's salary and uh, each make a little bit more an hour. And uh, everyone agreed. We went to the guy, and he was like, yeah, that sounds fine. If you guys can handle it, sure, perfect. You know, he's not going to lose any money on it. He doesn't have to hire, find a new person. So he was all good with it. So I went to script and I was like, hey, um, when do you start getting the scripts between dress and air? Is there a chance we might be able to get those a little bit earlier? And they were like, oh, we start getting them around 10 o'clock. <laughs> I was like, excuse oh. me? <laughs> like, oh, yeah, they trickle in from 10, 10, 15. I go, why aren't we getting those earlier? <laughs> and they were like, oh, because we've always done it this way. And Claire brings them down and we trust Claire. And I was like, okay, <laughs> we need to. <laughs> We need to set something new in motion. So I was like, you need to send us those scripts as soon as you get them. We'll start doing them. And then Claire can check our work. And then the writers can check their work. So that was the new. So I just like out of out was out of this weird thing, we wanted to make more money. I found this information out and we started getting scripts at 10 o'clock and it made our lives so much easier. Oh, less, gosh, so much yeah. less stressful. Oh, it was wow. This, it was so it was such a big thing, you know. And sometimes, you know, a lot, cold open. Sometimes we still don't get until you know, like eleven or so, or eleven oh five. But that, but we've got like the first half of the show already done with changes, so it doesn't. It's not a big deal, you know. Right. We get cold open done, and then the rest of the stuff is already done. So it was a big game changer for us for Q, in the Q Garden Department, anyway. I'm, I'm I'm sure I'm sure. Now, are you guys like? employees of NBC or are you contractors because you have your own cue card company or you have a couple yeah. I was yeah I was I well so I worked for a cue card company and then and then you know there was some they started in 2004 they started bouncing our paychecks and um, we couldn't order I couldn't order material because they owed the money so I was like all right it's, it's time to start my own company and thank God my wife 
is in the business world and knows this stuff. So she did a business plan and she's like, yeah, we could, we could be, we could make some money on this if we did this. So we, st- I start, and I never wanted to, I never even had aspirations of starting any company. So um, I started my company and I got Saturday Night Live to go with me and the Conan O'Brien show. And uh, I think last call with Carson Daly was going on right there um, at the same time. Um, so I am considered a vendor um, with, with, uh, with NBC. So I'm an NBC vendor. I see. So that's that's how I'm that's how I'm. But you know, I mean, I have basically have free office space in Rockefeller Center because I keep all my supplies there, and that's where we do all our work. So, oh, fantastic. Okay. Nice. Uh, so uh, yeah, well, I was also wondering. Uh, so what's a normal day we're at um at SNL like? Because like I actually uh, John and I we both uh, watched that um that little cue cards video that SNL put out. Yeah. Uh, we we, we yeah. tweeted it, and like there were a lot of things that I didn't. I totally didn't know, like the way you use different color markers for certain yeah. performers and like how you have to correct, you know, you have to sort of link up with the script supervisor and all this and just a lot of things I never even thought about. So, uh, I yeah. mean, like, yeah, so like what's a typical day or, or a typical week for you like? Yeah, because you don't really have a, a, I mean, there's a, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a baseline rehearsal stuff for everything, but every day is different. I mean, Thursday's different from Friday, Friday's different from Saturday, Saturday's different from those other days. Thursday, we do music rehearsal. First day. Now you can imagine too, when I'm doing Thursday SNL, I'm also doing Thursday Seth Meyers, mm-hmm. and when I'm doing Friday SNL, I'm also doing Friday Amber Ruffin show. So it's no, there's no typical <laughs> day for me. I'm doing multiple shows on both days, but um, Thursday we do music rehearsal for SNL. Then we shoot the promos, and it, and and it used to be we would do three sketches, three easy sketches on Thursday. We'd be out of there around eight o'clock at night. You know, weeks because they didn't want to overload the host with a lot of uh, hard stuff, and they wanted to have a first easy day. But now, because they're shooting three or four film pieces um, to go with it, along with the show, we now Thursday we now do five or six sketches sometimes because the the host has a shoot Friday morning, Friday night, Thursday night sometimes, um, sometimes throughout the day. So it, we don't. It's there's there's no more easy Thursday for us. It's it's uh, band rehearsal, um, promos, and then it's five or six sketches. Friday, it's um, all sketches. You know, we block sketches all day long. From they used to start at one. Sometimes we don't now. We don't get the host until three o'clock or so. So we'll block without the host, and we'll do the rest of the sketches we have on Friday. They always schedule the cold open, but a lot of times we won't get the cold open Friday night. We get it Saturday, so. That brings us to Saturday. We, so Friday we work until like 11 or 12, just depending on the cold open, if we get it or not. And then Saturdays, you know, Saturday we come in, there's uh, the, the SNL band rehearses, and uh, then we have a uh, run-through where we run through every sketch, and the cast is in as much costume as they can be in. And then uh, we do dress rehearsal, and then we do the live show. And the, the dress rehearsal, they, they start that at 8, is that right? Or is it earlier? Uh, eight o'clock. Eight o'clock, and that goes till nine thirty ten. Yeah, but yeah, not 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 nine. Yeah, because there's, there's more sketches in the show, so it goes till right. ten. It goes till ten o'clock. Sometimes you know, some five minutes before, five minutes after, somewhere in that area. Gotcha, gotcha. And then and then they're rewriting everything, depending on what worked and what didn't. Correct. And they're figuring out the final lineup. Correct. So that's when it's really crunch time for you and your department. Yeah, but again, we get the changes earlier now, so it's really not as bad as it used to be. But it, but it's still a lot of changes. Yeah, changing a lot of things and figuring things out. Sometimes they'll change 
the cast members. So we have to, we have to, if we may, sometimes might have to change a color in a sketch, you know, last minute, or, you know, sometimes I screw up and I don't like to say that often, but once in a while I screw up and I, maybe I only, maybe I had two sets of, two sets of cards for one sketch and Lauren or, 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 uh, Don, the director, would be like, you know, we really should have a center set of cards. You know, why didn't we have that? And I was like, well, we talked about that. We didn't think we needed it. And he's like, yeah, I think we need it. So we'll have to sometimes dupe a third set um, between dress and air as well for another, for for a sketch. But that's very rare that that happens because I very rarely make mistakes, guys. Yeah, you're, you're damn near perfect. Come on. <laughs> damn, damn near perfect. <laughs> I like to think that way. That's good. I like that. Okay. Now, like, do you decide uh, where – on the stage that your guys are standing yes yes that's 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 my decision um unless i get overruled by don the director because uh-huh. or you know or lauren lauren can be like um cards were too too profile or something like that um so yeah they can adjust me where where they want them or don can be like yeah i really it didn't they didn't they didn't look good looking over there can they look a little bit back so yeah it's something we work on in rehearsal a lot now we'll i'll place the cards where i think they're going to be and, and then don can adjust it a little bit and through the stage managers they'll tell me but usually you know like i said i've seen most of the sets up for sketches um i can i can figure it out and then you know it's fine if i have questions i can always, i always i'll always go to don the director and just say hey i think i'm going to put cards here here and here you know, do you do you agree with that? And he'd be like, "Yeah, that's fine." Mm-hmm. And yeah. you, and you always have like a pair of people working because like there's one person holding the cards, and then when they're done with the card, you hand it down to a second person. So that is called a catcher, and that is a union job, my friends. Oh, oh, oh. because huh. I am told back in the days of the first five years of the original cast. I am. T- I was told, and I'm pretty sure this is true, that some of the cue carding, that actual holding, was done by union guys. Uh huh. If they had, if there was, if there was two guys that did it, but if they they needed, they needed like a third or fourth holder for something, they would give it to a u- union guy to hold. And when that when the job started getting too complicated for them to to for them to do it, you can't take a job away from a union guy in a union studio. Right. So they came up with the job, the catcher. So the union catcher, every card I pull in any of those studios I work at NBC has to be caught by a union catcher. Wow. <laughs> How do we get that job? Holy moly. <laughs> yeah, I mean they, they they're also they they also, you know, help move the move the stage. They they're moving the stages and breaking down the set and then, you know, they'll they'll break off a little bit before the other guys and they'll come over and be, so they're ready to catch. But um, it, you know what? It, I love it because it makes our jobs so much easier. You uh-huh. know, especially if I have like a sixty-card sketch that I'm holding. If I had to catch that myself, you know, that's 60, 60 cards that I'm holding for like you know eight minutes, nine minutes sometimes. Um, if I have a catcher, it gets lighter and lighter each card I pull. So um, it makes my job way easier. So I I love I love having a catcher there. It's great. Oh wow! And do you, do you have like, go ahead, Darren. Uh, well, no, I was just gonna. You said like a sixty-card sketch, so I'm. That's. I mean, that seems like a lot. Is like that the norm for a regular yeah, normal, like three-fourth sketch or? Nah, normal would be is is anywhere from twenty-five cards to forty cards, depending on the size of the print of the host. If the host can't see very well, we have to print bigger. Then the the obviously the sketches are longer. There are more cards. If the host can see. And we don't have to print big, you know. Typical sketches like around thirty cards, I like to say. But some of those cold opens that we were doing, 
Um, the political call opens list this year and the, the year before when like when De Niro was in there and the, you know some of them were a hundred cards and Jeez. you couldn't there was no there was no point for me to break them because I was holding like it was, I remember one call open where people were coming it was on home base and Alec Baldwin was playing Trump and people just cut, kept on coming in like to see him right. and he brought up De Niro and it was uh, um, Oh, I can't. Uh, I can't think of his name. But other, all these guest stars kept on coming in, and I was holding for everybody, and there was no break for me. I couldn't like. Sometimes we can split the cards where I can do fifty cards, and then you know turn around real quick and grab them from the floor and grab do the other fifty. Right. But for, I remember this one, this one cold open. There was nothing I could do. That. So I was holding a hundred cards in my in my hand. Jeez. It was, ter- was terrifying because you can barely. I can barely hold them, let alone show the show the cast their lines. It was ter- It was terrifying. And um, I remember, um, I'll never forget this. I remember this. So I held the 100 cards for air show and um, I did it. I can't believe I did it. I went to go do the monologue and I was, I stand on a box over the, over the camera. And Johnny, the crane uh, cameraman was a little bit higher than he normally is. And I have to hold my arm, my left arm, the same whole arm. I was just holding a hundred cards in um, kind of when I pull that first card, all the weights on my left arm and it's the closest I came to dropping a whole set of cards ever in 30 years because my, my left arm was dead. It was just like dead weight from holding those hundred cards. I had no, and no power in it whatsoever. I had to literally, I pulled the card and I, I, they started wavering. I had to grab it real quick. And I just had to, I hold it by the side of the camera because my arm was dead. It was completely dead. And I couldn't believe it. Oh man. And no, no feeling in it at all. It had no strength in it at all. It was crazy. I, just hearing this, I want to go like soak in a bathtub just yeah. out of like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my arm hurts. I didn't even do anything. Yeah, it was it was terrifying. It was terrifying. Uh, like to go back a little bit uh, to to the catchers. Do you have like a regular catcher that you work with? Um, I used to have um, uh, uh, Monique Riley. Um, the Rileys are uh, Joe Riley runs the stage crew. He's been there for years. He's the head. He's the head uh, stage guy there. Um, his daughter Monique um, always used to catch for me, and she was great. She was she's this she's this little girl, but she could fit into small places when I needed her to. You know, she was really reliant. She was always there. She was great, and now she has graduated to props. She's in the props department. So I I have a. Um, uh, I don't have anybody regularly, I think, but they're all good. They're all the guy. They're all good, and I and I, and I, I train them to make sure they're, they're good if they're not, right. you know. And I, I'll be like, look, you can't you can't do that this way. Sometimes they're they're watching the sketch. It's like you, you can't watch a sketch. You can't laugh at it. You, you can laugh, at, but you got to be paying attention to me. That's what you're here for. Please help me out. I need your mm. help. You know. So right now, I don't have anybody. Uh, um, uh, everybody kind of kind of fluctuates, but it's all good. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't sure if you had like regular pairings of. Of people like you know, oh, I, I got to put Bob and Cindy together. No, not anymore. Not like okay. That. All right. Well, I mean, you talked about uh, people like like having if they have uh, eyesight, bad eyesight, you have to do the the print larger. You have like set sizes for the print. I'm assuming, right? Yes. Yes. We'll have uh, a normal size, which is a normal size. I can't really describe it. Um, um, and then we can go a little bit bigger if they say, yeah, my eyesight's okay. But if you want to go a little bigger, we, so we go a little bit bigger. Mm-hmm. And then, um, if they're like, no, my eyesight's terrible and I'm not wearing contacts, then we go, you know, then we go, we can go even bigger. So I like to say like, like a normal size card is like seven to eight lines on a card. 
Um, a little bit bigger, I would be like six. You can maybe squeeze a seventh line in, but you don't want to. And then if they really can't see, you don't go more than six, and you try to you know you try to fill up a whole card uh, uh, with that stuff. But it's harder. It's I, and I always tell them I go it's harder to um, get a rhythm going when there's so when there's less words on the card, and it's mm-hmm. it's harder for us to to pull them and to get your rhythm going because there, because there's so few words we're we're so focused on just getting to the next card that it that it's hard that it makes it harder for everybody. But you know if they can't see they can't see and we got to do that. Did you ever have like a host that was lying about how good their eyesight was? <laughs> um, <laughs> like either because of modesty or, <laughs> or no, like a yes. well, I've had hosts and I, I don't remember exactly who they were, but that said their eyesight was good. And then after a full day of rehearsal, they came up to me and said, yeah, you know what? I will take that bigger print. And we <laughs> didn't have to show in regular size print. And I'm like, Oh sure. No problem. Yeah. I noticed you were having trouble. And then I have to go tell the guys, yeah, start reprinting everything guys. Because the host, <laughs> the host lied and basically can't see, can't see anything. Right. Right. So if, if you're hosting SNL, just, just be upfront with, with yes, Wally's people right honest. from the top. Be honest. Yes. Robert De Niro's printing got, got, his eyesight seemed to get worse and worse every time he was on, like the more times he was on. We ended up, we could only do four lines a card by the time he was, his last appearances, four lines. It was gigantic. It was, he could, cause he couldn't see. He really, really couldn't see, honestly. Wow. So we had to print things gigantic for him. So if you see him in some cold opens and his, and it's, and it's really like the rhythm is really off. It's because, he only, sometimes only had like six words to a to a card. <laughs> oh man! So it's really hard to do read cue cards to do it that way, you know. Really hard. Yeah. And and I mean the the reason you guys do cue cards is is one because there are so many rewrites and also because teleprompters might break down, right? Correct. Teleprompters can break down. It's more you know if you had prompters, there's more wires. You know the. the Getting the cameras and the and the mics all around and all the all the things that require wires there to add more wires to it, it doesn't you know it just it's not it's not smart. Mm-hmm. You know, and Lauren considers cue cards kind of part of the show. You know, he you know he observes and you know like I people come up to me after the show and um, when I would see people after the show that when people would come to the show would be they would be like I was watching you guys do cue cards more than I was watching the actors act because it was fast. Mm-hmm. But you just, I find uh, we, they, people stare at us and like, that's fascinating what they're doing. <clears throat> so, so yeah. So that's why they kind of like it. Well, also that's, that's part of the experience of seeing the show live. I think is yeah. I, we, we talked a few weeks ago, we talked to a friend of ours, uh, Ken Krantz is a stand-up comic who went to, um, which uh, episode did you see Darren? Uh, Keegan Michael Key. Yeah. He, he was at the Keegan Michael Key episode and he was saying like, yeah, he was watching the crew most of the time because that's, that's the thing yeah. you can't see on TV. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah it's, like, pretty, it's a, it's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, I was talking to, uh, we're talking, we were talking to uh, John Trumbull, uh, you know, before we hopped on the mics here and, you know, Trumbull was even saying, yeah, it's like, I love to know more about like the behind the scenes stuff about how SNL gets me. Cause like, I mean, yeah, most people, like to know about the musicians and the actors and like kind yeah. of all that stuff in front of the cameras. Like, but we like to know, I mean, we love to know about the people in front of the cameras, but we also love to know about the behind the scenes, like what happens with the crew. Like, we feel like there's more like, to, you know, there's more of like stories there, more interesting things that just aren't being told that like we yeah, find fascinating. You, no, you're right. 
you're right. There's a lot of there's a lot of cool stuff happening behind the scenes. Yeah, I mean, okay. Well, I mean, you've got after 30 plus years at the show, you've got to have some some great stories. You you told a great story on Seth Meyers' show about a month ago about Charles Barkley staging a mock fight with you. You got to have other stories <laughs> like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was that was one of my good ones. I burned I burned that story. I can't I can't tell that story. Anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's on YouTube, people. Yeah, I know. Two hundred fifty thousand people have seen them. Like, okay, that story, that story is burned. What other stories can I tell you guys that happened there? And this won't burn the story because we—I I hate to tell you—we do not have as big of an audience as Late Night with Seth Meyers. <laughs> you oh. don't, guys? No, uh, we're close. We're close. Yeah. All right, okay. we're, we're getting there. We're working on it. Right. Yeah, that's good. You build, you're building, you're building from the ground up. There's nothing exactly. Wrong with it. Yeah, there's yeah, nothing wrong with that. yeah. Baby um, steps. What can I? I mean, you know, I, I, there's nothing. I'm trying to think. There's nothing so involved as that, unless I think of something as I'm telling these stories. But just like, like I was there when Sinead O'Connor ripped up the picture of the Pope. Oh and wow! I, you know, and that was a thing where we were, we had a, we were, all, we were sitting backstage watching it, and. You know she, that was a setup. You know she set us, she set the whole show up because she at, for dress she ripped up a picture of a of an orphan, right? And, and she demanded that she only they only have one camera on her the whole time, so there were no other cameras around that they could cut to. That's and that's what she wanted. They didn't want her to be they didn't want to be able to cut to another camera away from what she was doing. So she thought it out pretty well, and then when she ripped up the picture of the Pope on air, she did it. And the thing ended, and we had we had the um, we had the control room on our on a mic uh, on a on a radio back in our area. And Davy, the director, this, this old time director, goes, "She just ripped up a picture of the Pope. I can't believe it." <laughs> yeah. We were like, we were all like, "Holy shit! That was amazing. That was crazy. That was awesome." So, yeah, that's that was so, pre- that's pretty rock yeah. and roll. Actually. Being there for that, that was that was pretty cool. Um, I was also um, what was I? Oh, that just reminded me of something. Uh, were, were you there the the night that uh, there was the Ashley Simpson? That's, that's what I was just gonna say. I was there for that as well, and that uh-huh. was like I wasn't on the floor for that, but I was watching it on the monitor, and it, we were like watching it, going like, "Oh, we felt really bad." You know, you felt you felt awful. Yeah, but um, I'll tell you what that no one talks about was. I that and that was really interesting. I was there the following year when they brought her back. The next year, I don't know if you remember, they brought her back the following year. Yeah, and I was doing her first song intro. I don't remember who the host was, but I'm waiting for waiting like the countdown. I look to my right, and there are both her parents standing, literally terrified. They looked like horror on their face. Like, please don't let this happen again. Please don't let this happen again. Wow. Um, so just like being in that, looking at her to my left, looking at her parents to my right, it was pretty cool and, you know, terrifying. And she never really recovered from that, I don't think. I don't think her career ever recovered, if I, if my memory is correct. Uh, yeah, Probably she really not. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> After that performance, it was kind of, yeah. yeah, not really, uh, yeah. yeah, it, it wasn't there anymore, her career. So being, so being there for like that instance, I was in a dressing room when Tina Fey met Sarah Palin for the first time. You know, uh, seeing that interaction uh-huh. uh, was interesting. I was in a room where uh, Jesse Eisenberg met Mark Zuckerberg. Jesse Eisenberg met Eisen? Eisen? I think it's Eisenberg. Eisenberg right. met Mark Zuckerberg for the first time. 
and he was he was really nervous to meet him because you know he had just portrayed him in the movie right so he was nervous about that just seeing that just kind of see, being there for that um i my one of my treasured memories is being doing cards for rudy giuliani before he went crazy and, <laughs> um, um when he was when he was mayor and right after 9 11 when he when he when he opened the show Right, and the firefighters that came up from freaking ground zero, and they still had soot on their on their uniforms and stuff. It was it was pretty pretty emotional. Wow, um, uh, that was pretty that was pretty. Um, I just I'll never forget that feeling of doing that. Yeah, you know. yeah, and yeah. that was, <laughs> and, and I mean that that was a high stress the time anyway, and there was also like anthrax in the, in the oh, building and yeah like yeah <laughs> All, kind of things you can't think about like that's the thing it's like you think about it's like you know we're in a building we're in the studio there's no windows there's no windows on the eighth floor at all so you, you can't see out you don't know what's going on and you just hope you know you, you you can't think about that stuff it's like you guys have you guys have been in the studio before no we're, we're, we're but we do plan on like going seeing the show Right. Uh, if, you've yeah. been, if you've been in any TV studio, you know all the lights are, that are hang from the ceiling and stuff like that. There's right, all there's, right. there's like in SNL. There's like probably there's, there's got to be like a, at least a hundred probably more lights. These heavy lights that hang from the studio because they do sketches in every corner of the studio. Right. And you can't think about what if a light would fall on my fell on my head one time. <laughs> you know. Oh, I thought when I first started working there, I'm like going, huh? When it, the light that would kill that would kill me. It could decapitate me. It could slice my fucking head right off. You can't think that. Right. <laughs> you, you go crazy. You just you just got to get on with it. You, yeah. go, you just gotta go. You gotta get you gotta get on with it. Yeah. So you know you trust stuff like that. So you know I've just been a part of a lot of a lot of cool moments and that are that's my that's my job but it's you know you, you when when you get a special moment like that and someone comes in you know what i gotta say i actually had tears in my eyes for the cold open this on the last show um the audiences for both shows for dress in for air gave gave us a standing ovation for the entire cold open and that's never happened before oh wow it's happened we've had a couple of standing ovations for certain things but not for the entire cold open and it was Truly, like they were thanking the cast, and I think the, they were thanking the crew for putting on a show this year under these tough circumstances. In it, like, like people were crying, like the cast were crying. Jenna, of course, she cries at every Jenna, the stage manager, she cries at a drop of a hat, but she was crying. She was standing next to me crying, and that made and that made me that made me cry Aww. and get emotional. But I had tears in my eyes, and you know, like I didn't have tears in my eyes when Adam Sandler came back to host, which I had been pushing for for years and asking him, like, come back and host you. You jerk! You know we worked together. We, we, started, we started together in 1990, and I was like, "Come on!" Every time I saw him, I'm like, "What are you coming back in a host?" He's like, "Come on, Wally." He's like, "If you want me to host so bad, just bring cards to my house in LA, and we'll I'll read them from read them for you." <laughs> Fantastic! I was like, "You're a son of a bitch! Come back!" And then when he announced he was coming back to host, I was like, "Oh my god, I can't believe it!" And that was such a I, I was so happy, and we reconnected. Oh, we reconnected over that, and I have a we exchange cell numbers and we text each other all the time now and keep in contact. It's so great. But when he played that Chris Farley song at the end of the show, right. People were in tears all over the place and people were, the whole cast came out and stand, stood in the studio and watched it. But I didn't cry during that because I, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't screw up the card. So I was focused, so focused on holding him and making sure I didn't screw that up for him. Um, that I couldn't cry, but I did cry. I did. I, I had tears in my eyes for this last show because I think it was just such an emotional year, and yeah. it was nice. It was nice seeing the appreciation from the audience. For it. I mean, I I think it's really a testament to the cast and crew is 
how normal most of the season felt just watching it at home. Yeah. Uh, just, I mean, I mean, they, we had a meeting in, in August and uh, Kenny among the producer brought in the heads of most of the heads of the departments. And I was there and he was like, all right, we're putting a show on this year. He was like, here are the rules that we have to abide by. And we, that we, and after they gave us all the rules, the co the, you know, the, the COVID people were there and Kenny and we were like, I, well, I can't, I can't do a show with three people or, you know, we originally, it was like, we were going to have one set of cards for each sketch, mm -hmm. all these things. And eventually Lauren kind of, we bent the rules a bit, you know what I mean? There, there were some of the rules were, were bent to allow stuff like that, but it wasn't, Kenny was like, it's, it's impossible for us to do this show under these rules, but we're going to do it. And that's basically what we did. It's amazing. It's and it's amazing. And Lauren, th Lauren made a point to thank everybody. Between the, the meeting between Dress and Air was in the studio, and he every week was like, "I don't know how you guys are doing this. You're doing a fantastic job. Keep up the good work. You know, it's amazing that we're doing. We're able to do this. Thank you so much for for what you're doing. And you know, we get it. We did it. We survived. It's, it was it was amazing. Fantastic. All right. Yeah. Well, so now uh, you've been on the show for over thirty years, and you mentioned you seem to have a. Uh, bit of a kinship with uh, Adam Sandler. Yeah. Um, so I was also wondering, like, is there anybody else, like, as far as the cast goes, that you maybe have, like, a you were able to build a friendship up with? Or even just a cast member that you really, like, loved and admired and, like, really looked up to in a way? Yeah. Like, when, I you mean, see the, when you saw the perform. Yeah. Um, Horatio Sands and I um, are, are pretty close. Oh, nice. Um, we, we became friends. We've become friends. And I, I, I do his podcast when I'm out in L.A. I haven't traveled out to LA, L.A. in a while, but I've done his podcast like three times. Um, we have a lot of fun. Bobby Moynihan and I are very close. Um, but he's just doing great on Mr. Mayor. You guys watch Mr. Mayor? Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've been checking yeah. it out. Yeah, it's that's so a good show. Funny. It's so – I mean, Tina Fey. I mean, Tina Fey and Rob Carlock, you know, they, they do quality stuff. But Bobby and I are – Bobby and I are close. Um, yeah, I've always thought Bobby was like super underrated. Like he's the, uh, he's like well, really Bobby, good. He was a huge, huge, huge SNL fan before he came in. Like, um, and I knew that because his first day he came up to me and he introduced himself to me, and he was like, "I have one of your cue cards hanging on my hanging hanging in my apartment." And, what? <laughs> yeah, and I was like, "Really?" He was like. Oh yeah, he's like I'm a big fan of yours. I'm a huge fan of the show. I can't believe I'm here. And he would get a sketch on the first season, and he would he would take the entire sketch of cards home with him. <laughs> Every sketch he got on that first season, I think he has in his house or in a storage unit somewhere. I don't know if his wife now that he has a kid is letting him keep him, but he has he has thousands of cue cards now. I respect and, that. I respect yeah. that. Yeah. That is very cool. cool. So it was really, really cool. So me and him got along right from the start. And, and Keenan and I, Keenan Thompson and I, he's been in so long that we, we have a we have a true friendship, I think, that like after the end of each season, I'm like, You coming back next year? He's like he's like, I'm coming back. Are you kidding? You're coming he's like, We just he just like how lucky we are to work on a show like this for so long. You, you don't you don't take that for granted, you know. Well, that's fantastic. Yeah. That's yeah. A, that is great. That is great. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. So and, I don't know. I mean, other, other, I mean, I'm close with other people. I'm close with a lot of other ones too. You know, when they come back, you know, they always can make a point to say hi, but um, <clears throat> I think the first cast that I was with like Sandler and, and uh, Farley, unfortunately he's not around, but Tim Meadows and, and David Spade, you know, they're just all, they're all good friends. Yeah. 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 It seems like those guys uh, yeah. bonded quite a bit. Um, now did. you mentioned something that is, 
like a, a common thing that you do. You you give cue cards to hosts after after they they host the show. And like I know Seth Meyers has. He said he has a cue card from his last weekend update hanging in his dressing room. And that, that became like a sideline for you. Yeah. I mean, um, this, I don't charge them for it. You know, I, right. <laughs> <laughs> if, if a host wants a car, like I'll ask them, like I, I can, you can tell if they're, if they're a fan of the show, if they, yeah. you know, so I'll just say to them, I'll just say to them after, Hey, do you want any, you, you know, do you want any cue cards as, as uh, keepsakes and souvenirs? Um, you know, do you collect that kind of stuff? And a lot of them are like, Oh my God, yes, I can have some. I'm like, yeah, are there any specific ones you want? Or you want me to just put together a, a, a package for you? And they're like, oh, put together some for me. That's great. So I'll give them, usually give them the monologue, the whole monologue. Right. And then I'll take like three or four cards from each sketch and I'll throw in a live from New York at Saturday night in there. And then I'll, and then I'll get their address from, you know, from the town department and either they ship them or I ship them out to them. Um, and then they have a nice package of cards and it helps them remember the show and, uh, um, the memories there. So, uh, it's a really cool thing. And yeah. And then cast members will come by and say, Hey, can I grab a card for my sketch or this card for the sketch? And, and yeah, and writers, writers will come by and grab, grab cards sometimes too of, of a funny joke they wrote that they want, um, on a card. But yeah, it's a cool thing. Do, do you ever have like two people battling it out for the same card? <laughs> no, because usually we have, you know, we have do two or three sets of them. So that usually there are two or three they can choose from. So if, if two people want the same card, they can do it. And if it was a monologue where there's only one set of cards, then yeah, then sometimes there's a battle for it. But uh, uh, I don't get involved in that. <laughs> okay. Um, now, I, another interesting thing is that you've you've been featured on camera quite a fair amount over the years. How did, how did that get started? And you're, you're also featured on late night with Seth Meyers on a yeah, more regular basis. Now. I haven't been on SNL. I didn't think I did. I haven't been on SNL this year. I haven't been on it in a while. It's just one of those things where, um, you know, again, cue cards oppose the teleprompter. It's another person that's in the eye line of, of the actors and you're there and a writer sees a chance to use you, uh, in a joke then he's going to use you, you know, especially if he knows I can deliver a punchline mm-hmm. you know, or, or a setup or whatever, whatever it is they want to do. So, yeah, I think my first thing was I was in that Steve Martin singing, um, singing. Uh, not going to uh, phone it in tonight. Yeah, not going to phone it in tonight. I was in that. He said, Mr. Q card guy, put your cards down over there. And that was me, a young Wally at 25 years old, I think, or 26. Wow. Um and then, um, yeah, I was start, they started using me and stuff, and it was, I mean, I, yeah, it was, not only was I working on SNL, but I, I was acting on SNL too, <laughs> you know. So I, I acted in high school, in high school plays, and I never, I didn't have big aspirations to be an actor, although I did audition for things before I got the SNL uh, uh, job, um, but I, because I always wanted to be a writer. But all comedy writers, I think you guys probably know this, want to be on camera too, you know. That's part right. of it. That's part of that um, part of the gig. So, yeah. So they put me in that, and then, you know, then I started doing stuff on Last Call with Carson Daly when he was shooting that in Eight H. And um, then Tina Fey left, and she was nice enough to write Wally the Cue Card Guy as their Cue Card Guy on on Thirty Rock. So I was in a bunch of episodes for Thirty of Thirty Rock, and um, <clears throat> and then you know Seth has been using me, and he used me a lot in the beginning of the beginning of the run. And then when Trump came in office, they stopped doing as many silly sketches. 
Um, I stopped being in last, but now I've had a resurgence. You know, they put me in one um, closer look and uh, I've been in, you know, now I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm on like sometimes two, three times a week and I'm now being considered talent from, from the show. So I have to get tested like talent does three times a week. So I could be on without a mask and I'm on the, cause I'm doing stuff on the Amber Ruffin show too. She's putting me in sketches as well. Ooh, wow. Nice. This is your, so I'm, doing, so I'm doing that. And then, you know, the movies, the, the two movies I've appeared in, I don't know how guys, how good your research is. Do you know the two movies that I've appeared in as myself? Oh, uh, I do not. You've stumped the band, I think. Oh, well, okay. So they shot, I should have been three. They sh- they've shot two of the movies were shot in eight H. And um, one of them, I was taking my kids to Disney World for the first time when they were younger, and my wife said, "You are not not going to Disney World with your kids to be to be in that movie." It was a Robin Williams movie, um, a Man of the Year, maybe where he ran for mayor of New York, I think. Oh yeah, I think he ran for. Did he run for president? In maybe that? he ran for president. Yeah, maybe yeah. He ran for president. And they shot a they shot a, a scene where he was on Weekend Update, and I was and I was asked to be in that. But I had to give it to my other guy, the other cue card guys, because I couldn't be there. I was going to Disney World with my kids. But I was in Man on the Moon when Jim Carrey played Andy Kaufman. Whoa! Um, wow. And if you go back and look at that movie, when um, in the early scene when he's when he's on SNL, I play a cue card guy from the seventies with a with a perm, curly hair, and really bad clothing, really bad seventies clothing. Nice. And, um, I get directed by um, you know the great uh, Milos Forman. Milos Forman directed me. He was giving me direction. It was awesome. It was it was unbelievable. Oh wow! And so we we can see you on camera in that scene. Yeah. I, I'm assuming during the the Mighty Mouse scene. Yep, yep. You can see me on camera. The intro for the intro to it. Um, I forget the comic that intros intros Andy Kaufman. It's Richard Belzer in the movie. Richard Belzer, correct. So I was holding cards for Richard Belzer for the intro, and you can see me um, uh, holding the cards for that. Wow. Um, and then the other movie was very recent. It, uh, was, a, it was a... And it's shot uh, in 8H. No, this was not shot in 8H. So the other two okay. were shot in 8H. This was shot in Brooklyn. I shot for nine days in a studio in Brooklyn. What can I guess? I was on camera for nine seconds. A Star is Born, maybe? Uh, no. That's ah. good. The most actually shot in 8H, but I would. they did not use my good friend, Bradley Cooper... Did not use cue cards. A shot of the cue card guy, which I was, I, I kind of gave him a. But Bradley Cooper was a producer on this show, uh-huh. on this on this movie. Hmm. It won an Academy Award for the actor. He mm-hmm. was in makeup for some of it. Hmm. Uh, American Hustle, The Joker. Oh, oh, of course, Joker. Joker. You're in wow. Joker. Wow. I was Robert De Niro's cue card guy in that movie. At the Murray Franklin show. Murray okay. Franklin show. I was there for nine days. So I was hired to be the cue card guy on camera slash help Mr. De Niro out with his lines as well since I was there. So I was double dipping. I got paid as a cue card guy and I got paid to act as well. Holy moly. Well, I Wally, I think you might be getting a little typecast. <laughs> <laughs> and let, can I tell you, when I showed up to set, and De Niro saw me for the first time. He came over and gave me a hug. He was so happy that I was there to help him with his lines. Oh, that's fantastic! He oh, that's so great. So, yeah, we, I've become very friendly with him. But now we don't. I don't have his cell phone number, but right. I call him Bobby, or I'll call him Bob. Nice. When he sees me, he comes over and he gives me a hug. So um, uh, we have a nice relationship. So yeah, so I, I did nine days of shooting for about nine seconds on screen. Um, but it's there when when he does when it, when he has that dream sequence where he's imagining himself in the audience. 
Right. Uh-huh. If you look closely, you'll see me holding cards in multiple shots of that of that sequence. Okay, so, we're we're gonna have to try and find those yeah. and see if we can like rip some clips yeah. from those. That those yeah. would be great to see. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get our research team on it right away. Yes, that that is awesome. Um, I mean, because I I love the movie uh, Man on the Moon in particular. That's yeah, that's a great one. Yeah, that was awesome. And that was the funny story about that movie too was, so you hear about these stories about Jim Carrey never breaking character, like he wants to be in character the whole time. So yeah. I, they, they didn't tell us that. Well, he had hosted SNL. I, I don't know if it was that year or the year before, but he had hosted really recently. And, and I was like, oh, he's going to remember me and he's going to come over and say hi. And I'm going to say hi to him. It's going to be great. So I was walking to the bathroom um, the first day of the shoot, and here he comes out of the elevator with two guys, and I'm like, hey, Jim, how are you? And he kind of nods at me and, uh, and, and smiles and, and, and walks past me. And I was like, huh, I kind of expected a little bit more of a re- reaction than that. And then like 10 minutes later, they tell us, oh, yeah, don't forget, Jim Carrey is not Jim Carrey. He's Andy Kaufman. Don't right. press him as Jim if you don't talk to him unless it's Andy Kaufman, he's going to respond as Andy Kaufman, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like going, you couldn't have told me that 15 minutes ago. (laughs) (laughs) Where as soon as he walks over here, I go, Hey Jim, what's up, buddy? (laughs) Who's Jim? (laughs) I meant to ask him about that. See if he remembered that. But uh, when he was, when he was here uh, doing uh, uh, Biden, but never came up. Yeah. We were a little bit too busy. Talk about well, they, they did. They released a lot of that behind the scenes footage uh, like a few years ago. I'm forgetting what the documentary was called. Oh, yeah, right. I meant to watch that, actually. I meant to it's good. It's that. on it's on Netflix. It's worth seeing. Was it, was it good? Yeah. Yeah, it's worth seeing. And maybe I'll watch it again and see if you pop up anywhere yeah. in there. Yeah. Um, that is really cool. Um, you know, there there's one there's one behind the scenes SNL person I think we have to ask about darren do you know oh are you are you talking about joey mohawk yeah yeah we gotta we gotta find out what the deal is with joey mohawk when we first started watching the show for the podcast we noticed that there was one particular crew member who had a mohawk and we've we've found out that he is his name is joey and we think he like works in which department did he work in darren is it like uh like hair and makeup Something like that. I thought. I thought maybe like set building. If I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. I don't we, know. We were, who you're, I don't know who you're talking about. Oh, Mr. <laughs> Deepens. What, was this? Is this this like this year? You've seen seen him, or I uh, haven't seen him recently. I think he must have grown out the mohawk, and I'm not recognizing him the way I used to. Yeah, I don't remember somebody having a mohawk. But if it's, I mean, if it was a stage person, stage person, I might, I would probably know them, but. I would think the more, a hair person would be more likely to have a mohawk than than any than somebody else. But you guys have stumped me because listen, too. I, there's like I think three hundred over three hundred people that work on that show, right? That, that go in and out of the stuff. And if it's somebody, if it's stuff you're seeing, like if, so, so stuff you're seeing like between uh, like commercials, like those shots of like the set setting up. Is that what you're yeah. talking about? Like yeah, yeah, time? exactly. That's when we'd spot him. Yes, yeah, I'm running around getting cards and maybe showing actors stuff or getting you know making sure things are right. That I'm not looking. I'm pretty focused on on stuff that I don't notice that kind. They wouldn't notice that kind of thing. But of course, of yeah, course. I, I, so I can't help you on that. I'm sorry. I might ask though on Monday. Um, I will ask on Monday when I go to Seth 
uh, that's tomorrow, right? Yeah, I'll ask on uh, if if uh, I'll ask about that and see if I can get some info for you. That would okay. be that would be awesome. We we discovered him. It'll have to be off the podcast, though. You guys will have to share it the next one. Yes, Got it. yes. Yeah. Um, we we first noticed him the first year we were doing this podcast, which was season forty four of SNL. Like so, okay. this would have been uh, twenty eighteen going into twenty nineteen. Okay. All right. I'll ask the crew. I'll ask them uh, the crew guys uh, that I see uh, tomorrow. And then, yeah, uh, and what? And one of our friends from one of the other SNL podcasts. He was at uh, the, either the taping or the the dress for the season finale, and he confirmed that the gentleman's name was Joey. So we've been calling him Joey Mohawk right, ever since. He he started out as Mohawk Man. Well, yeah. And yeah, we've we've been like we've been unpacking this like it's the Zapruder film. <laughs> it's really funny, but it just shows you how big of a show production that it actually is when I've been there 30 years and I don't know who you're talking about. And, and listen, I know a lot of, everyone knows me. Everyone's like, hey, Wally, hey, Wally, hey, Wally. And it's like, and I know maybe, I got to say, I maybe, and then I feel awful about this. I maybe know 30% of the people's names. Wow. Um, that work on the show because there's so many people that work on it. And I'm, and I, and everyone knows me and I'm just <clears throat> not good with names and I'm good with faces. I'm not good with names. I'm I'm the exact same way, so I can totally sympathize with you there. Well, with that with that many people working on there, I, I sometimes don't know know your name or remember their names. But um, I'm going to investigate this for you because now I am fascinated by this as well, and I oh. will get to the bottom of this. Yes, yes, we got a man on the inside, Darren. Oh, nice, we did it. I'm, I'm all in. I'm all in, boys. <laughs> this is awesome. This is awesome. Oh, this is fantastic. Oh. Uh, yeah. So also, uh, Wally. I mean, we should also bring up the fact that. Um, during the uh, the lockdown, during the pandemic, um, you started a little thing where you were giving or selling um, yes. personalized cue cards. That's how I kind of came into contact with you because I, you know, I'll, I'll put it up on uh, on our social media accounts. But yeah, I had a, I, you know, I reached out to you and had a live from tape from New Jersey CSL Nerds uh, cue card uh, put up. Yes, this is uh, the plug part of the podcast. I love it, guys. This yes. Is, uh... <laughs> Cue cards by Wally was uh, something I thought of a year ago, a, a year and a half ago. And my wife, who's in business, poo-pooed the idea. She was like, no, I don't think so. <laughs> no one will be interested in that. <laughs> she wasn't ready to help me. She wasn't ready to help me with it. That was the problem. And uh, then I brought – then she, she we were sitting on the couch two months into the pandemic. And I was like I, – I was sitting on the couch. She was working hard. I was just sitting on the couch for two months. And she, she, she just said – she's like, I'm getting the itch to start another company. And I was like, how about cue cards by Wally? And she was like, what's that? I was like, remember the idea I pitched you a year and a half ago where I do personalized cue cards for people because I can't do cue cards now for celebrities? And she was like, now is the perfect time for it. So we, so we, she, she basically did it as easy as possible because I was like, I don't want to do a lot of work with this. I just want to just start doing cue cards for people. I don't, but I don't want to do a business plan and I don't want to do this and I want to start a website. And she, she's like, we'll do a minimal viable product, which was basically, she's like, open up an Instagram, open up an Instagram account and open up a Venmo account. And then you're, you're, you're good. And that's what I did. And then, you know, I did a podcast and I got some orders and then uh, I get, it got picked up uh, on local news, started doing some press. I was on a Today Show. And next thing I knew, I had 350 emails of people wanting cue cards in like a day. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So uh, it's like was, in a matter of months that happened. It was a slow. It was a slow roll, and then I kind of. It was a slow roll, and then I had to get. Um, I had to get permission from Lauren and NBC to do it, which I which I got. Uh huh. 
And then um, I was on my- Did you have to get that in writing or? <laughs> no, I had to talk to NBC lawyers and I had to, what I could do, and what I couldn't do kind of thing. And um, uh, so no copyrighted material. And I can't say that they're SNL cue cards. You know, it's, it's, oh, it's, sure. it's Wally doing cue cards, not SNL. And um, I got that permission. And then, and then, yeah, then, you know, I did, a, I did the local NBC news. The guy saw it somewhere. And then at, from that, Carson Daly, my buddy who I used to do cue cards for, basically did three 30-second ads for me for free on to the Today Show the next day. And I went from 20 emails a day to – I got, literally got 350 in like a matter of four hours or something. Whoa. Wow. So I had instant – I had an instant success. success, And I was instantly in the weeds. <laughs> instantly like, oh, no, because I do this all by myself. And my wife's like, well, can we help you with this? I'm like, no, because I'm – I'm basically doing everything. I'm answering the emails. I'm approving the messages. I'm writing it in my notebook. I'm collecting the money. I'm getting the addresses. And then I write the cards. I take a picture with a card. And then I um, address the envelopes and I bring it to the post office myself. I, I just didn't, it was, I trusted myself to do it. So it's a one man job. So, uh, but it kept me busy. Listen, it gave me a reason to get up in the morning and uh, I did it all day for like, you know, for three or four weeks. And then it, then it slowed down a bit and then it picked up again. And after my Seth appearance, I had another big resurgence, um, and I'm, I'm I'm doing a whole bunch right now, so it's great. Oh, that's great. What what sort of stuff do you do? They ask you to do? Is it is it quotes from sketches, or is it from yeah? They, a lot of people want a lot, or? a lot of people want that, but I can't do quotes from sketches. I can't do live from New York on Saturday night. I can't do anything that was on the show. Any words that were on the sh- like, like on the show, they, you can play around with it though. Like you know, that's why I can do you know live from you know Livingston. It's Wally Ferriston's house. You know, you can do. Uh-huh. It's not live from New York. So, and I can't do live from New York. So I can do live from New York city or I can do live from Brooklyn or, you know, wherever, but yeah, people want, people want lines. And then like, you know, like people love Stefan. So they wanted these Stefan lines and I can't do a Stefan line, write your own Stefan line. So they would, people come are being creative and they'll write their own, you know, thing that has to, that relates to them, like to their marriage or their wedding or, you know, mm-hmm. stuff. and you know, you can get around it that way, but it's just been great. And people have been, people have flipped out over them. Um, and I'll do a video if you want to pay more. I'll do a video where I they sh- I show, they, I show myself writing the card. One of my my son or my wife will tape me, and I'll write out the card, and then I'll and then I'll talk about a cast member, favorite cast member, or I'll talk about stuff that you want me to talk about. Um, and it's just a lot of fun. It's connecting with the. And my wife calls it building my brand, and I'm building my brand very well. She says so. I, I take that as a thing, but I love it because the feedback has been just fantastic, and people absolutely love them, and it's great. That is cool. That is cool. I didn't know you had that uh, copyright complication, but that makes total sense. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And it's not like something like, and I, you know, it's not like something that's, I don't think I would be sued over, but you know, I don't want them NBC to say, yeah, you wrote, you wrote this and you probably shouldn't have, you know, you probably shouldn't do it anymore if you can't, if you can't. So I just, I really err on the side of, I'm not going to come close to having that confrontation with an NBC lawyer. Sure. I'm sure they're monitoring what I'm doing by, you know, my Instagram or stuff like that. So. Yeah, well, you know, you got to <laughs> they got to take that stuff seriously, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, they do. They do. And I do I take it seriously as well. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, uh Darren, I know you you've got to uh head out in just a little bit. Darren's really popular people, so yeah, uh sorry about Darren's that. Darren's got to run off and record another podcast. Whoa. Wait. Sorry. Just, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this, I, the, the people need me. What can I say? I know he's, he's yeah, leaving me in the dust. Yeah, uh, are you a guest on this podcast? Or are you just a? Is this a? Are you a regular on this podcast? Uh, no, no, I'm actually a, a guest on it. It's a it's a podcast down in Jersey where uh, comedians talk about their favorite like cartoon shows. I'll probably 
you know, I'll, I'll follow me on Twitter and you can find out. All right, more listen, about it. I'm going to give you a little, oh, I'm going to give you something you can talk about. You can relate it to this show, what we just did. When I was writing stuff, which I did write a lot of stuff when I was younger, when I got my foot in the door, that's why I got it. I wrote an episode of Space Ghost Coast to Coast. Ooh. Oh, wow. I wrote the banjo episode of Space Ghost Coast to Coast, credited under Chris Ferriston. Oh. Chris Ferriston. I, funny, I had an SNL writer come up to me one time. And they were like, uh, who's your brother Chris that wrote for Space Ghost? I was like, that's, that's me. And again, it was like, the, I feel betrayed. <laughs> it all comes full circle. It all comes full circle, guys. Have you ever submitted a sketch to SNL? Oh, that's a whole other story. Did you get time for that one? Is that opening a big can of worms? A little bit. A little okay. Bit. I can tell it real quick if you want me to. Uh, yeah, sure. Let's so I, I wanted to be a writer. I think I, we established that early on. Right. When I, when I, so that's why I took the job at SNL to get my foot in the door. And I, and I did, through connections I made through SNL, I wrote for Space Ghost, Coast to Coast, as I mentioned. I wrote for um, the show called Wienerville, which was on Nickelodeon. Mark Wiener with, uh -huh. with, with puppets. Um, I got hired to write for Celebrity Deathmatch as just like a freelance writer come in and help find ways to kill uh, celebrities. That was fun. Um, and I did, you know, I was, I was writing here and there, but it was never enough to support myself. So I obviously was keeping on doing, keep on doing cue cards. And I, and I, and I wrote jokes for weekend update. I was submitting uh -huh. jokes for Norm MacDonald, uh, and then for uh, Kevin Nealon and uh, uh, Colin Quinn. <clears throat> so when I was younger and I had the energy, I would work Friday from 11 a.m. till sometimes midnight. Then I would go up to the 17th floor from midnight until four and write jokes, sit around a table, write update jokes. Um, and it was, it was a blast. I'd go home, get some sleep, come home and come back and do the show. It was, it was a blast. And I got a bunch on. Um, I probably got like 17 jokes on in the course of doing that through different stuff. So I was, so I was learning how to write comedy better, getting stuff on. And I was getting, I was getting that itch to write more, but I was still not <clears throat> being able to leave SNL and do this. So I did leave, and here's a little. I left the show for three months. I believe it was 1996. I left for three months. I took leave. I my brother is a writer, so he got me an agent. In my, this, I had an agent that set up meetings in LA. I went out to LA and I took all these meetings. I pitched shows. I tried to get hired on some shows and. It didn't work out. It wasn't working out quickly enough. I, like I said, I just got married and my wife's like, well, maybe you can go back and do cue cards until something, you know, until something happens. So, so I did, I went back, my buddy was running it and he was not doing a great job at it. Cause it's such a hard show to do, especially when you throw someone in there that only been doing it for a couple of years, like I was, mm -hmm. but he wasn't having great success at it. So when I said, Hey, I, I'd like to come back and um, help out. They were more than happy to have me back. Oh, well, so that's I finished out the I finished out the year, and my buddy who was running the show. Now I was not running the show anymore. My buddy who was running the show. He decided he'd had enough, and he moved to L.A. So now the position was open again, and the, the I was working for this company at the time, and the boss was like, "Well, the SNL wants you back," and I was like, "To run the show," and I was like, "Okay, well, this is what I would like. I would like to make this amount of money." Uh, I would like to do this. I forget what the second request was. And I want to write sketches. I want to be allowed to submit a sketch to, to the show. <clears throat> and they agreed to everything. That's great. Amazing. Because I mean, you're Amazing. negotiating from a position of power, I guess. Oh, without a doubt. They saw what life was like without Wally. And, <laughs> and like Steve Higgins says it, says it to me to this day. 
The best move you ever did was leave for three months because they saw what life was like without you and they did not like it. Wow. <laughs> they did not like it. So I had, yeah, I had some power. So I was like, all right, this is, let's down time to ask. So Mike Shoemaker, who was a producer at the time was like, look, okay, we're going to agree to everything. And we have a new cast coming in. That was the, that was the year that Will Ferrell and Amy Poehler, all those guys came in. Remember, we, I don't remember. Yeah, that was like 95. The yeah, last the entire, time the Lord really remade the show. The entire cast came back. So, yeah, my years might be off. I said I left in 96. My years might be off a little bit, but but yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was the, 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 he remade the show. It was an entire new cast. So, Shoemaker said to me, he's like, look, Lauren's approved this of you doing it. Uh, we, we, we have no problem. Can you, and it's all, it was a lot of new writers. Can you let, let us get the first half of the year under our belts, get a, get a rhythm, get the guys get a rhythm, and then we'll let, let you start submitting in January. And I was like, fine, I, that's perfectly understandable. So I was the cue card guy for the first uh, four months. And then um, at the last show for the Christmas show, Shoemaker came out to me. He's like, all right, you can submit one sketch per week starting when we come back in January. And I was like, great. And I go, what happens if it's good enough to get on the air? He's like, well, then we have to then we have to talk about it because you're not in the union. I wasn't in the union. Uh-huh. You know, we have to, we'll figure that out. If you get a sketch, he was kind of like, don't, let's not get ahead of ourselves. If you write a sketch good enough, then we'll figure it out. So and you weren't like, in like pitch meetings and things like that, I guess. Not in the pitch meetings. I was allowed to submit one sketch to the head writers who were, I think, Fred Wolf and Steve Higgins at the time. Uh-huh. And um, if it was good enough, they'd put it, they'd put it into the read through. If it wasn't good enough, they weren't going to put it into read through. They weren't going to embarrass, you know, the cast or, or, or me, you know, they were like, mm-hmm. you know, if it's good enough, we'll put it into read through. And I was like, well, what if I start writing sketches and you want to hire me in the show? Like I, I, do I have to do cue cards and write? Like, no, if you're good enough writer to be in the show, we'll find someone else to do cue cards. And I was like, really? Will you though? <laughs> I was like, well, anyway, let's, I go, yeah, I was getting a little ahead of myself. Right. So I wrote, I wrote my first sketch in, um, it was called, um, it was called the wine taster. Okay. And it was, uh, actually it was not called the wine taster. It's based on, sorry, my memory is going back. It was called the urine tester. <laughs> and it was, um, and it was, you know, in, um, uh, it was, a, it was about a guy who was a world-class wine taster, whose wife and do- wife and son are killed by a drunk driver, a, an athlete drunk driver who decides to do- change his line of work to to become a urine tester and test um, athletes' urine to find drugs in their urine. But um, is he is he like tasting it like wine? He's tasting it like wine in a wine glass. So he's okay. putting it in the wine glass, he's swishing it around. And now, now um, some other cast member pitched this idea and they did a version of this idea years, years later. Now, I'm not saying he took it from, from me because it was years, years later, but something like this has appeared in dress. I don't know if it ever made it to air, but... This was an idea that I had in the 90s, well before this guy was probably even in his teens. But anyway, <clears throat> so I submit the sketch. I'm bartending. I'm, I'll never forget I'm bartending, and I get a call on my cell phone. I would just get my new cell phone, and it's uh, Fred Wolf and Steve Higgins. And they're like, uh, we got your sketch. Did you write this? And I was uh-huh. like, no, I stole it from somebody. Yes, of course I wrote this. And I'm like, all right, it's it's good. It's really funny. We're putting it in read through. Come make sure you're at read through tomorrow, um, so you can get notes if it makes it on the air. And I'm like, going, holy shit! I can't believe I can't believe this. <clears throat> and I get there on Wednesday, and I'm told that I've never been to a read through before. And I'm sitting there, and there's 40 sketches, 
And I'm and I'm like, how does this work? And they're like, well, they put the first they t- they put the top ten sketches, the first ten, and then after that, it kind of is like a hodgepodge of 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 sketches, you know. But the, they put they put the top they put the best at the top just because they don't want to start, you know. Like uh, they want they want the host to see something, you know, uh, uh, good. Right. And, uh, mine was number nine. Oh Last wow! Time, number nine out of all the other writers, and all of a sudden, I'm like, wow, <laughs> holy shit! Like they really liked it. So they read it. It goes over fairly well. Like, I don't know what, what's good or bad at a read-through table. I have yeah, no it's tough to know how to gauge. Nothing to judge it. I thought it should have got more laughs. It didn't get as many laughs as I thought. But again, it's a first draft. Whatever. I don't I don't know. I don't know how it's going to go. I get a call. Um, no, I don't get a call. Uh, uh, it doesn't make it in. I go, go, to, go to work on Thursday. It's not, it's not in the show. So I'm like, oh, I was disappointed, but I was like, you know, this is, it's hard to get a sketch on. It's my first sketch, whatever. And yeah. Shoemaker came up to me and I'll never forget. He was like, um, your sketch was in and out three times that it, it we ultimately was not in the show because the censor was worried about the host drinking urine out of a wine glass. That's really obviously what it came down. We were trying to push because we, that that's the whole funny part about it. Yeah. They thought censor wise people would be grossed out by that and it wouldn't be as funny as you think it's going to be. And ultimately, the censor won over, over uh, the producers. And you know, maybe they weren't pushing as hard because it was me. You know, because it was my sketch. I don't know. But yeah, yeah. But the note I got was Shoemaker said, "Lauren told me to tell you the sketch was funny. Please keep on submitting them each week." Wow, so, that's. Uh, I mean, that honestly sounds really good for your first that? time out. So, yeah. Now I'm like over the moon. I'm like, great. I go now. I'm kind of find my footing. I wrote a sketch the following week. I did a, uh, a Danny Aiello was hosting. I, I did a spoof on do the right thing where I had him um, <clears throat> playing different characters. I forget the whole thing, but he was playing different characters in the spoof of do the right thing. And he was, and he was on different sets, like two different sets. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I, and I specifically wrote that the sets have to be on the far, each far side of the studio. So we'd have to run from one set to the other and then run back to the other one. And halfway through the sketch, he's like, why are these sketches so, why are the sets so far apart? He's out of breath and he can't even say his lines. Right. Kind of a breaking the fourth wall where he's like, why did you put the set for the other one so far apart? I can't even breathe. So it was a whole big thing. That almost made it in as well, I was told. That was almost, that was in a couple of times. It was really funny the way that thing didn't, ultimately didn't make it in. But again, I'm getting really good feedback on, on on stuff, and I'm writing by myself. You know, I'm not I'm not on on seventeen working with the host and, and other writers. I'm by myself in my apartment, just write, coming up with ideas and submitting them, which is which is difficult because you're not collaborating with anybody. Yeah, yeah, you but don't have somebody to. I didn't have anybody to run things off of. I was just what, what I think is funny kind of thing. And then I think my third one wasn't as good, but um, still made through made it to read through, and you know, um, it was you know received okay, but didn't make it in. And then Mike Shoemaker for the fourth show pulls me aside before the fourth show and goes like, and says, you're not allowed to submit sketches anymore. And I was like, why? Thought things were going okay. They were like, yeah. Well, this guy that works in outside props, who's been in the show for 15, 20 years, asked me and asked, asked me to ask Lauren, if Wally can submit sketches, why can't I submit sketches? Ah. And I was like, and you told him because he's not funny and I am and I can write and I went to school for writing. You told him that and like, no, because he's been here for so long. We can't tell him that. Lauren just said, shut Wally down. We can't let, we can't open this up for people can start submitting sketches. 
So now no one besides the writing staff are allowed to submit sketches. And that wow. was that one guy. And I'm not going to name his name, but he is, I consider him a mortal enemy. To me. <laughs> he shut down. I mean, I could be right. I mean, I might not have the cue card career I have right now, but I might be writing for SNL still or writing for a major show. If, oh, wow. That's if not for that, for that guy. And that's like a behind the scenes story that these things happen all the time. There's a lot of politics with these shows, especially SNL. Yeah. And I got kind of screwed out of maybe my calling of being a writer because that one guy thinks he, he always thought he was funny. He was always telling jokes around the set, but he was not funny. He was not funny at all, but thought he was funny. And he kind of basically ruined my shot at writing for that show. Oh, that's a shame. Oh, I, yeah, so, I, I, so it starts out great. But it I thought that story was going to have a slightly happier ending. No, but, no, it goes to a dark place, my friend. Um, <laughs> so, can, yeah. can you say if that person is still with the show? They are no longer with the show. Okay. Well, then that bastard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they're no longer there. But yeah, so well, that's yeah. nothing. I mean, at least your mortal enemy is no longer there at the show. Yeah, it was very unfortunate, and you know, it didn't. I didn't, I'd never get a really chance to prove myself that I was a sketch writer. But like, I, like I tell people all the time, like doing cue cards there for thirty years and 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 becoming becoming this lovable character and 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 having so many. I think I probably have had more in diverse memories and more better experiences with, with celebrities and cast members and people that I work with that I ever could have as a writer. Yeah. Um, that uh, I'm not saying that I couldn't have made more money and become wildly successful, but I think the experiences I've had far outshine what I could have had if I had stayed, stayed, you know, fully with writing. Yeah. I mean, gosh, I, I think I remember reading an interview with Conan O'Brien. No, no, this is something he said like on his last show at NBC. And he, and he said, like, nobody gets exactly what they want but if you work really hard and you're kind amazing things can happen yeah yeah that's exactly right yeah exactly right and i kind of tell people that i tell i do i do a lot of college speaking and i or kids that you know from my friends and my my sons and or from my hometown that i that i'll talk to i just tell them never take a job that you don't think is right for you if you're especially if it's your first job out of college take the job because you never know what it's going to lead to. That might be the perfect job for you that you don't know, or it might lead to your perfect job that you didn't know mm -hmm. you were good at. Because I didn't know I, I didn't had no even know what a cue card was when I was in college. But it turns out that doing cue cards was probably my perfect job, and I found it, and it found me, and, and it's led me to a career and 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 uh, situations that I've never could have imagined. And it's been it's been a wonderful journey. Yeah, that's that is something else. Uh, yeah. I mean, it 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 is like a very cool job. Like, yeah. I, I mean, of course, it is a job. You're working hard at it, obviously. Yeah. And there there are difficulties, and I'm sure there are certain bits of drudgery, but it's a cool job. Still, at the end of the day, it's, it's a cool job. It's yeah. a cool job. All right. Well, I I feel like that's that's a good place to yeah. To I leave think, it. I think your instincts are right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, okay. Well, thank you so much for, for taking the time, Wally. Uh, Darren and I really enjoyed this and it was so much fun. Uh, look, let's do a little more plugging for you. Let's, where can people find you on social media? Where they, can they find your website? Yeah. On Instagram, cue cards by Wally. On Twitter, cue card Wally. 
Um, and if you want to go uh, for cue cards, uh, uh, cuecardsbywally.com. You can order cards there or you can um, email me at cuecardsbywally at gmail.com. That's ultimately where I get all the orders from. Uh, definitely willing to work with you on what you want on the cards. I'll help you out if you don't know what you want to write. Um, but yeah, yeah, send me an email. We'll, t- we'll chat. And I do, and I answer all my emails too. So it's not, it's not, I get a lot of, so I get emails sometimes. I say, Wally or Wally's team. Can I have this? It's like, there's no Wally's team. It's me. It's Wally. I'm answering all the emails by myself. So if you want to say hello, tell me about yourself. I, I'd love to see, uh, I'd love to hear about you as well. Yeah. And, and he does answer his emails promptly. We were going back and forth a lot uh, this week, just, you know, settling everything with the booking and uh, yes, he does answer promptly. So I do my best. I do so, my do, best. so don't be afraid. <laughs> no, I'll reach out. I'd love to hear about your story. And uh, if you want to follow um, the the SNL nerds on social media, well, right now uh, the the SNL nerds show Twitter account is unfortunately suspended. Therein lies a tale. Where I'm not going to get into it <laughs> this time. What they, did you do? <laughs> no, tell me later. The Raiders Digest version. I did something stupid. And the account was automatically shut okay. down. Yeah, okay. it's not that interesting a story. I didn't like say anything heinous or it, nothing like that. It was just okay. like an automatic thing. And I'm waiting to hear back from the Twitter people. Did you call John Ham an asshole? Is that what you did? I, I did not. I did <laughs> not. I mean, he and I we ha- we have other beefs, but okay. um, John Ham's a great guy. He's a great guy. So that's probably why. Um, all right. So yeah, you'll get that back, but that's cool. We, we will get that back. And, um, but you can, you can, in the meantime, you can follow us. Uh, you can, you can follow me at Trumbull comic. That's T R U M B U L L. And the word comic on Twitter. Darren is at Darren credible. That's, uh, Darren and the word credible. Um, and we'll be back next week. We've got a really cool guest, uh, for you next week. Uh, we're going to be watching, the movie Beverly Hills Ninja with comedian and uh, freelance SNL writer Mike Lawrence. So check that out. Uh, that'll be next Monday. So until then, nerds, nerds out. out! This has been a non-productive media presentation. Executive producer Frank Hablawi. This program and many others like it on the Non-Productive Network is distributed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. Please share it, but ask before trying to change it or sell it. For more information, visit non-productive.com.